This podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official travel partner of the Seahawks. I'll be traveling with Prime Sport to New Orleans this year to watch the Hawks play Drew Brees and the Saints. You can come too. Just use discount code HAWK10 and get 10% off a travel package including airfare, game tickets, hotel, and a pregame party. Hope to see you there. All right, here we go. Uh, round, I guess this would be round four, if I'm not mistaken, if I can do my math correct uh, properly here, of the Softy Hawk Blogger podcast. And uh, two and one so far for the Hawks, looking to go three and one with the bye coming up next Sunday. Would be a huge, huge win for the Hawks if they can pull this out. Uh, Brian Nemhauser, hawkblogger.com. Obviously, I'm sure you would agree with that, that to get to three and one with the state of your quarterback's health, uh, the way your offensive line has been up and down, this would be a big one Sunday, pal. It is. It is. And, you know, this one's there to be had. Um, you and I both talked last week that this was a game we weren't feeling very good about um, before that 49ers contest, but it feels like there's reason to be hopeful. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and lots of reasons, which we'll talk about in, in just a second. Obviously, for me, just getting the offense in some kind of rhythm, uh, I think last Sunday was big. Getting Jimmy Graham involved, running the football, uh, Doug Baldwin continuing to do what he knows he can do, what we know he can do. Uh, they just It just feels like they needed that man last weekend. I don't care what defense it came against. Well, you know, I think clearly uh, Seahawks coaching staff is listening to this podcast, right? Yeah, I no mean, we, uh, what did we talk about last week? We talked about getting Jimmy Graham involved, talked about using him in the red zone. We talked about how important that was to start having a, you know, balance and, and opening up some of these other, you know, players. Um, they did that. We talked about how Kristen Michael had been effective. No matter what anyone said about the offensive line or the running game, Kristen Michael was leading the NFC in yards per carry before the 49ers game, and he still is afterwards. And they, you know, they took advantage of him and they used him. So, you know, I understand why, uh, you know, we would have wanted to see this earlier. And I also understand the criticism of, you know, why maybe we should have seen this earlier. I think there are some clear decisions that they could have made. And, um, you know, water under the bridge. Let's just hope that the, the team builds from there. Well, look, uh, you went after Daryl Bevel last week. Uh, I wasn't quite there with you. I, I just, again, uh, have a hard time reconciling fans ripping the offensive line for playing poorly and then ripping the offensive coordinator for not being able to run his offense. But uh, I think we start right there. And I told Bradley Sal this in the locker room yesterday. I don't want to be the kind of guy that rips somebody on the air and then doesn't show my face in the locker room. I walked right up to Bradley Sal and said, hey, I'm Dave Mahler. I'm with KJR. And just so you know, I was pretty critical of you the last couple of weeks, but uh, I thought he played a tremendous game on uh, on Sunday. And really, it kind of starts there, I think, for this offensive line. Obviously, Britt and Glowinski, I think, are doing their job. But if they can find a left tackle that is at least serviceable, uh, there's no reason why this offense can't function. Yeah, and, and you know... I, I agree with exactly what you're saying about you can't one one hand say, hey, the offensive line's playing poorly and, and that's causing everything to be uh, a problem, and then say, yeah, but it's the offensive coordinator. You know, I've been pretty clear and pretty consistent in my perspective on what's going on here. This Seahawks offensive line is playing considerably better than the, the Seahawks offensive line last year, um, especially to start the season. Almost every number you look at, 
tells that story. And, you know, you've heard it from Pete Carroll. You can choose to agree with him or not. But, you know, he's he's been pretty upfront that they're ahead of where they were. I think that a lot of this had to do with, you know, one, I would, the thing I will give Daryl Bevel is Jimmy Graham, like they do have to kind of feel their way and how, how much can they count on him. And they had to kind of slow walk that. Now they feel confident and they leaned into him in this last game. Great. But as far as, you know, Kristen Michael, they put a lot, they kept going to Thomas Rawls. It was pretty damn obvious to anyone paying attention. Kristen Michael was a more effective running back the first two weeks of the season than Kristen, than uh, Thomas Rawls was. And they kept going back to Thomas Rawls. And, and so, you know, that's, that is, that is on the offensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, I, I think that they came out with a better plan and I think the players executed it. So um, it, it's never just one thing. We mm. agreed on that last week, mm. but I absolutely believe Daryl Bevel has, has a, a responsibility to bear for, for the slow start. Well, and you know, what's funny about that for me, and you can agree or disagree, whatever, but I, uh, again, I, I just go back to your take on, Hey, they were, they were going to Thomas Rawls when you thought Kristen Michael was the better guy. Uh, all that stuff, Brian goes through Pete Carroll's headsets and he's the head coach. And if he wants Kristen Michael to carry the ball, Kristen Michael is going to carry the ball. Obviously Pete Carroll has a tremendous amount of confidence and lets Daryl Bevel run that offense, but he's got a chance to step in whenever he wants and say, Hey, give the ball to see Mike. And, and that wasn't happening. Now it's going to happen, obviously, because uh, Thomas Rawls is banged up, which I find a little bit crazy considering after the game he was uh, when he was hurt, uh, Pete Carroll was pretty adamant that, hey, he'll be fine. He just got kicked in the shin, and now he's going to be out for God knows how long. Uh, so they got no choice now but to go to Kristen Michael. And I wonder how he'll respond. You know, I've always thought that part of the reason why C. Mike was running the ball the way he was was because he had Thomas Rolls breathing down his neck, and, and now that guy's gone. Can C. Mike continue to do this when he knows he's the man and there really for now is nobody pushing him i'm i'm i'm, I'm just curious to see how he responds softy softy brian we're talking Kristen michael again <laughs> talking Kristen michael again by the way I, by I, the way know, have you bought your c mike jersey yet conversation and <laughs> and uh what i see from that guy now is what i've seen from him for three years, um, you know, in practices, uh, you know, in practice, but never been able to translate it, you know, onto the field, never given the opportunity because he hadn't earned it. So I'm not putting that on the coaches. It's, it's him as well. But this is who he is. He is, you know, you're familiar with, you know, the Spark score, right? The Nike yep, score. Yep. And you're familiar with, with Kristen Michaels scoring there. He had the highest Spark score of any running back since Adrian Peterson. This guy is a tremendous athlete. That's not an accident that he's doing what he's doing now. Um, and I think the bigger questions with Kristen Michael are always going to be, one, ball security. Yep. And two, durability. And and we haven't had a chance to see. Like, he's been in now for 20 carries, one game. Can he do this repeatedly? And that's one of the most underrated parts of what Marshawn Lynch meant to this team. Not only was that guy a beast out there, but he was out there every game other than this last year. So, you know, it is hard to do that as a running back. And, you know, there's going to be a little bit more on Christian Michael's shoulders. And, yep. and uh, you know, they got a thin running back room right now. Well, listen, I know that you've always been a fan of his. Uh, have you bought your C. Mike jersey yet, by the way? Nope. Okay. And I probably never will. Right. But I, yeah. I, it doesn't mean that I don't believe in his uh, 
hey, hey, he's on track for about 1,300 yards yeah. this year. Yeah. You know, if he ends up get, being the starter the rest of the year, our bet is totally on. And, uh, you know, he would have to top 1,500 yards to, to beat Marshawn Lynch's number. But yeah, I, yeah. I think that's possible. Well, guess what? Uh, I would be glad to pay off that bet if C-Mike <laughs> gets to that number. But, you know, again, let's let's not forget that this was a guy that was let go by three different teams yep. before this stop uh, again here in Seattle. One of those teams was the Hawks. Uh, the Redskins let him walk, and the Cowboys let him walk. So there's a reason why. You know, teams have not seen it so far, uh, and now he's got a chance to deliver. And I'll tell you what, speaking of the thin running back room, uh, the C.J. Spiller signing for me, uh, and you mentioned it last night on Twitter, uh, it just feels pragmatic uh, because of the uh, low cost associated with it. Uh, It's a prorated salary for the final, what, 13 games of the year. I love the fact that there's a veteran now in that room. Let's face it, Kristen Michael is the oldest guy uh, in the running back room before C.J. Spiller showed up. Uh, I love the fact that they got a third down guy and you can talk all you want about CJ Spiller's running ability. Uh, I'm more fired up for the guy catching the ball out of the backfield and now someone with rolls down to maybe even continue to push Kristen Michaels. So it, it's it's easy to get excited about the signing of CJ Spiller just because of the name recognition, but just put aside the name and look at the numbers and the role he can play for this football team. It totally makes sense to me. It does. It does. And one more thing on Kristen Michael before I'll, I'll move on to the Spiller stuff. The way I kind of look at, at Kristen Michael Davis is, is he is like the Jeff George of running backs. Mm. He's got, you know, absolute physical skills and he's got a two bit brain, or at least he has wow. for, you know, the past few years. He's now grown up. And, and so I, I think, you know, if Jeff George had ever been able to truly be a pro and a leader, that guy could have been an amazing quarterback. Um, and I think that's hopefully what we're going to start start seeing from Kristen Michael on a regular basis. As far as Spiller goes, yeah, it makes tons of sense. Um, the guy, exactly as you said, good receiver out of the backfield. I think one of the things that's going on here is CJ Procise, you know, it's not a serious injury, but if he can't catch the ball with the brace that he's got on, you know, then they're just not going to be able to utilize him that much, and they really need someone to be a third down back to give Christian Michael a blow. Alex Collins is not that guy, and um, Spiller makes some sense. I don't know. I'll be interested to see if they even try to suit him up this week. Um, another place that he may show up is I think they, you know, Tyler Lockett's injury is getting no publicity at all. He was not doing kick returns last week. He barely got any targets. Uh, I think he's wearing a brace. You know, he may have this similar injury that Russell's playing with. And so, you know, you might see CJ Spiller in there at a kick return um, position as well. So, um, I think it's a it's a good move. I wouldn't say I'm excited about it. I'm interested, but you know this, this guy's 29 years old. He's yeah. been really not that productive for a couple of years. I think we got to temper our expectations. But um, yeah, it, it's a solid move based on where we are. Yeah, and like you said, who knows if he's even active for the game on Sunday? I would bet at this point probably not. I mean, the news just came down yesterday. For right. God's sakes, five days before the game. So we'll see where they go with him on Sunday versus the Jets. But let, let's let's kind of shift gears and talk about this matchup. Up with New York. Uh, you just mentioned Tyler Lockett's injury. Uh, man, the Jets are banged up, uh, not just physically, but they got a quarterback whose mind uh, kind of turned to mush last week against Kansas City. Ryan Fatch- uh, or, uh, Fitzpatrick throws six picks against the Chiefs. I saw where Pro Football Focus gave him their lowest grade ever last week versus Kansas City. And I'm trying to wrap my arms around, is that a good thing or a bad thing that Ryan Fitzpatrick played that terrible last weekend? Um, 
I would say it's probably not the greatest thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we we all saw what happened um, after everyone decided Case Keenum was the worst quarterback that ever played after the first week of the season. And, you know, he is not – Case Keenum is not as good of a quarterback as Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm I'm sure of that. And um, Fitzpatrick is going to have likely the same mindset. He's going to have, you know, really want to set things straight. He's going to want to be better than he was last week. He's going to be more focused. Um, I think that you can expect him to have a better game. He certainly can't have a worse game. So, um, the Seahawks are going to have to deal with that. And I think the, the things to be aware of there are, you know, you got some real injury situations there at the receiver. What people don't necessarily understand, you heard Eric Decker's getting an MRI, didn't practice yesterday. Um, Jalen Marshall, who is their kick returner, as well as their fourth receiver, he's out with a torn labrum. Um, you know, Brandon Marshall played last week with a bit of a knee and an ankle injury, and he's practicing, but he's probably not going to be 100%. Yep. And so you really got two, you know, two receivers, uh, Anunua as their other you know, like slot receiver. Um, but they're going to have to start playing a guy that really hasn't gotten any snaps um, as their third receiver if Decker can't go. And mm. that's going to be tough. And they don't have a tight end that really is threatening, which is usually where the Seahawks, you know, have some challenges. So I mean, the Seahawks have, are in really good shape to defend the Jets' passing game. Um, and, and Fitzpatrick, I'll add, uh, Dave, the last two times he faced the Seahawks' defense, you know, one was in 2013 when, you know, he uh, lost 20-13 to 13 with the Titans. He had a 46.8 rating with no touchdowns and two picks. Time before that, he faced them when he played for the Bills in 2012 when the Seahawks beat them 50-17. to 17. He threw one touchdown down two picks and had a 58 rating so this is a guy that's never gone above a 60 rating against the Seahawks you know it's funny that you're talking about those banged up wide receivers for um the Jets and as you're talking there and I'm literally by the way tweeting this out as we speak here I'm multitasking on the fly here which is an incredible talent by the way uh I'm thinking about that matchup between Doug Baldwin and Darrell Revis uh in the Jets secondary for two reasons number one Revis isn't what he used to be uh may even be a little banged up and number two uh as you've said and as we said after that game against the Patriots in the Super Bowl the last time Doug Baldwin saw Darrell Rivas, he abused him. I mean, go back and watch the tape of that Super Bowl. There were multiple opportunities where Doug Baldwin was open, had beaten Darrell Rivas, and for whatever reason, Russell Wilson did not find him. Obviously, Rivas probably still has the touchdown in that game on his brain when Doug went a little nuts in the end zone, obviously. But I just look at this opportunity, and if they do put Rivas on Doug, uh, I like Doug's chances to take advantage of him again on Sunday. Oh, no doubt about it. And there's going to be two things that will be really in the Seahawks. Well, three things that are really in the Seahawks' favor. One, as you mentioned, Revis missed practice with a, an ankle, hurt his ankle yesterday. So, you know, he'll probably play, but but uh, that's something to be aware of. Um, he's 98th out of 104 cornerbacks, according, according to Pro Football Focus this year. He's playing pretty poorly. Um, you know, two, I would, I would throw out there, uh, you know, Doug is a guy that, he absolutely remembers and pays attention to these matchups. This is an opportunity for him to further cement his position as a as an elite receiver in this in this uh, league. And three, 
Russell Wilson, as far as I'm concerned, just decided not to throw at Darrell Revis in the Super Bowl. Um, it just so happened that Revis was covering Baldwin, but yeah. I think it just didn't matter. He wasn't going to throw in his direction. I think Russell Wilson now knows he, he can throw wherever he needs to throw and that he can trust Doug Baldwin to beat whoever's going to be opposite him. So I think uh, that would be a really interesting matchup for sure. Um, Jimmy Graham's another one. You know, uh, Again, can he do two weeks in a row? Can he continue to be a factor and, and force defenses to have to cover him? Hey, are you with me on this talk about Russell Wilson's health and sit him, start him on Sunday? I just think the conversation, to be honest with you, has gotten way too much play on the radio show because for me, it's a simple proposition. If the doctors clear the guy, then he plays. If they don't, then he doesn't. Uh, Again, all this talk about, hey, sit him out, let Boykin start the game. It just drives me freaking bananas. I want to bang my head against the wall. If Dr. Calfayan says, hey, he can play on the sprain, he can play on the ankle, He's not going to do any more damage unless he suffers another injury, obviously. Uh, To me, it's a pretty simple deal, man, uh, as far as uh, Pete Carroll's take on playing him or sitting him on Sunday. Yeah. uh, You know... There's, there's, I don't think there's any logic really in, in having him sit out. I think that, uh, you know, if if he's you know seriously injured and, and cannot play and cannot go, then obviously you, you got to sit him. You know, no matter how much Russell would want to be out there, but you can't make decisions based off fear. And uh, too many people do that. They're like, you know, this might happen, so let's not even try. Yeah. Let's not do it. Doesn't make sense. You know, he's going to be out there. He's going to have to play with it. I think there's, um, you know, some precautions that he can take. I think there's precautions the team can take. What would, what would make me frustrated is not whether or not the team plays him with an injury. What would make me frustrated, Dave, is if they go out there and they have him doing five-step drops with, you know, deep patterns and them getting blitzed and not picking up and like they've got to be smart about he's got to get rid of the ball Russell's got to be smart about if there's nothing there in the first couple seconds throw it away punt the ball how many of these injuries have come from him being stubborn about not getting rid of the ball and I'm not saying it's all his fault of course his offensive line could have blocked guys a little longer but in each of the instances he's taken a hit um, that's gotten a result in an injury he absolutely had time to throw the ball away, and he chose not to. Yeah. He's got to do that if he's yeah. going to play through an injury. Well, and let's face it, they had their best success in the second half of the year last season when Russell was getting rid of the ball quick. Uh, I mean, it was amazing uh, you know, how that offense was humming when Russell was making better uh, decisions in the pocket. Obviously, uh, they can't just limit their playbook and take away all that stuff you talked about, the five-step, seven-step drop stuff. They have to, at some point, push the ball downfield. But, you know, again, I mean, I don't think – I think Russell Wilson is going to be useless with his legs on Sunday. I think he'll be limited, but the idea that he'll just be a potted plant and not be able to move at all, uh, I'm, I'm not seeing that. I'm not hearing that at all from, uh, from the coaches, man. Yeah, and, and let's, you know, another thing to, to me to watch for is like Russell will probably be someone who's going to say, I don't want to play with the brace. Yeah. You know, like I can absolutely see him being that kind of guy. And that's something that I really hope the team says, dude, you got to play with the brace. Because if you get a non contact injury just right. from stability, that that's not acceptable. Like you got to have some smart precautions in there to make sure. Because he is, I mean, he's the season. You know as well as I do. If he goes down, it's over. But, you know, you can argue that you go two and two to start the first four when you know probably four of your easiest games of the schedule that could cost you part of the season as well so i mean you you have to go for it every week that you got an opportunity put the best guys out there you can 
um, and, 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 you know, just take as many smart precautions as you can. You know, I, I <laughs> nobody talks about it, but, you know, here's Russell Wilson playing with his high ankle sprain, and you got guys like Fetty and Vinette and other guys throughout the league that are taking weeks to get back from right. that. So, right. you know, give Wilson all the credit he deserves for, for being out there, and, and they just got to be smart about how they handle it. Yeah, the one thing we don't know is the grade uh, of that sprain, and for whatever reason, the Hawks have not been willing to talk about that at all. But let's not forget, man, uh, you know, people just want to dismiss the importance of this game. Well, it's an AFC game. You have to lose one. May as well be that. Where, I mean, look, I agree with that. If you're going to lose a game, I'd rather have it be a non-conference game than a conference game. But the Rams are at Arizona uh, this weekend. Uh, Arizona's pissed off. They're angry uh, about where they're at right now. Uh, if the Cardinals take care of business, the Hawks take care of business, uh, the Hawks will go to bed with a bye in first place in the NFC West. Yeah, I like the sound of that, man. I, I think, look, I, I set all the noise aside about the injuries. Just set it aside. This game is a huge game for the Seahawks in their progression for this season. They're going to get Jermaine Effetti back, hopefully. We're going to see what that line is going to look like. And if, if, if the promise in the run game that we saw in the preseason can carry over here, it's uh, huge. We're going to see if the offense can actually be productive a couple weeks in a row um, and against a real tough defense on the road. I think that, you know, if they're able to put up 20 points yep. this weekend, yep. it would be huge. Oh, yeah. Huge if they could put up 20 points against this defense. Then you've got, you know, a Seahawks defense that has been dominant for through the first three weeks. If they can do that again on the road and you come out of here with a 20 to 10 win or a 20 to 7 win or whatever it is, yep. look out. Look out, rest of the NFC, rest of the NFL. Seahawks are coming. Like I, I think that this is this is a team that has really gotten off to some slow starts. I think that they've got some developmental pieces. I think if you can get to a three and one start against this schedule, have your bye week. I think the Seahawks are set up for a really, really nice run. Well, and then like you said, man, when that schedule came out, a lot of people were complaining about the early bye. Well, this just sucks. We have oh. a bye in week five. Now it's perfect. I mean, now it's like. My God, thank goodness they got to buy in week five and get your team healthy for uh, for the stretch run. All right, boss, great stuff, and uh, go Hawks. Uh, where are you going to be on Sunday? I'll be at the Emerald Queen at 10 o'clock. How about you? You know what? I'll probably be helping my apart- my uh, my parents move into their apartment still. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I'll be watching the game for sure. So uh, uh, I will uh, look for you on Twitter, man. All right, boss. Great stuff. We'll talk soon, buddy. All right. Take care. All right. Brian Nemhauser, Hawk Blogger uh, on Twitter, uh, hawkblogger.com on the web. Great stuff there. Hope you enjoyed that. And if not, it's free. So whatever. Uh, we'll talk next week uh, right here on 950 KJR.